Hello and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mosk, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we've completely thrown out the idea of tentpoles. It's our mid NaNoWriMo episode, and so we are talking about structure and craft. Hello, and welcome to episode 76, Structure, I Don't Even Know Her. I'm Alex, and my word count for NaNoWriMo this month, uh, right now on, what is today, the 26th? 7th. 27th. 7th. On the 27th, as of right now, it is 84,233 words. Hi, Macy. Nope, Fran's not. And that's not the person who goes. So we're going to try that again. No, I was just pausing to sigh heavily. Over Alex's word count. But yeah. I'm Freya. And as yeah. of what is in Australia the 28th of November, but I'm going to go with the 27th because that makes me sound better. Uh. My word count so <laughs> far is 22,594 words. Yeah, it's respectable. That's a novella. See? Macy. I am still Macy, as yeah. I was previously, and as I shall be and on. Um, and <laughs> I am on this, the cubed day of November. 28,164, which is not bad because my entire nano nice. goal is only 30,000. Oh, you're like almost there then. Yeah, I'm nearly there. Very it's good. Fucking 2020, man. I wasn't doing 50K and a day yeah. job. <laughs> yes, for sure. That's very sensible. Yes. Thank you for taking well, care here, of me. In the year of our Lord 2020, we are three redheaded fantasy authors. And today we're just going to have like a little bit of an unstructured episode about structure, ironically. <laughs> um, like we said, it is 2020. It is NaNoWriMo. We all have things to do. And so we were like, read books. Who does that? Let's not have any tent poles for this at all. It's been great. Uh, but before we get into complaining about writing, uh, fellow serpents, what are we reading? I have slowly been making my way through and just finished the second book by Alex E. Harrow, Ooh. The Once and Future Witches, which is amazing, beautiful writing, quite heavy. I found it not in the writing, the prose is absolutely lovely, but I found in terms of the subject matter, I had to keep stopping and putting it down and then recovering for a while <laughs> and then picking it back up again. So mm. it was lovely to savor it over about a month, which is unusual for me. I usually read books pretty quickly, oh, but know. I found with this one, I had to keep processing and taking a step away. But it's absolutely wonderful. It's about three sisters in 19th century Salem, uh, New York. Mm. And it is, is it, Salem's in New York, isn't it? It's not Massachusetts. No, it is Massachusetts. The wrong state. Anyway, somewhere in that so the witchy corner. one. Massachusetts. Salem, Massachusetts. The witchy yep. one. Salem, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's about a world in which women's magic and witches are thought to be a thing of the past and strongly discouraged and oppressed. And it's about three sisters who semi-accidentally begin a crusade to bring magic and especially women's magic back into the world uh, by aligning themselves in some respects with the suffragette mm. movement and in other respects doing their own thing. It is a deeply angry book and I think that's why I had to keep putting it down because especially in, yes, <laughs> the interesting times in which we live, it's wonderful to read something that is so deeply, cathartically 
a scream of anger. Mm, mm. But also, <laughs> it takes some getting through. So I absolutely recommend it. It's got some quite heavy themes, but it's a beautiful, beautiful book about sisters and fighting for your rights and magic and family and the witches who were once and witches who will be again. Mm. So that was that one. Very nice. I also read the new standalone novel by Yoon Ha Lee, Phoenix mm. Extravagant, which is quite different. Also a fairly angry book, but expressed in a different way. Mm. So this is a book that is set in a fantasy world based on Japan-occupied Korea. Hmm. And it is about a young artist who ends up working for the government department of armor because there's not a lot of job options uh, and ends up teaming up with a pacifist mecha dragon. Mm. And they get you. involved with a revolution. It's got a, it's, it's, it's a, it's an odd book, but it has a huge <laughs> amount to do with art, which I absolutely loved. And mm. especially what is the impact when a colonizing force begins to have an impact on the kind of art that a society produces mm. and mm. what is the magic of art and how, how can you build a magic system out of art's pigments and its effect. It's a really, it's a really interesting book and I really enjoyed it. Mm. And then rounding a complete corner okay. of theme, I also read a YA contemporary novel Why <laughs> called May the Best Man Win by Z.R. Ella. This book is coming out next year and it's, it's, I think it's being billed as a rom-com. I didn't find it quite com enough to be a rom-com. The premise is great. The premise is that it's about a young trans, young trans man who comes back to school for the final year and challenges his ex-boyfriend, uh, who is like a one of the popular football players, to a competition to win Homecoming King, <laughs> which is apparently an American thing yeah. that I don't really know about. It's a thing. I uh, but it's got like a lot more, to do. Not more of a thing in art than it is in reality in America, but like American media mm. loves it. It's part of the world building of American high school as a fantasy yes. setting, as far as I'm concerned. It? Well, none of us have ever been to an American high school, right? So what would we know? That's true. That's yeah, what would we know? Actually. Exactly. <laughs> so um, it could be completely real or it could be all made up. Darling listeners, you must tell us, were you the high school prom uh, king? Well, it's not prom king, it's homecoming. I have, I, I'm still not quite sure what a homecoming is. It has oh, something God. to do with a splort, yes. is what I am told. That is also what I am told. It has something to do with a splort. I'm also told it has something to do with like um, alumni, like uh, visiting alumni coming back to the school i have no idea really? i didn't go to an american high school i didn't go to any high school because i was not like school, so i thought it was like the like the sports team coming back to home turf i think that's what I, I think that's Maybe? what it is now i think that like it started out oh, as something okay. else but i think nowadays it's like after the football team comes back from like their longest road trip then that's when they have homecoming Strong. anyway it's i think we can probably call it prom king it probably has the same anyway this book <laughs> is lovely it's got some really nice explorations of what it means to be queer in high school what it means to be trans to be exploring your identity and it's full of two main characters who both make terrible decisions in, which is obviously great for plot but i also spent it Amazing. a lot of the book reading it at arm's length being like boys boys no, 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 <laughs> dumb babies, please stop making these decisions. Uh, which is great to keep you turning pages, but also relatively stressful. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, lovely book if you would like oh to read. Dear. Well, I hope, Freya, that you find your next 
thing to be a little bit more relaxing to read than any of those seem to have any been. of those yeah they were all quite stressful books in their own way but if any of them sound like things that you would like i do recommend all of them i did enjoy them <sighs> so that was very me. good macy what are you reading macy has been reading murderbot Specifically, I have in the past two weeks read Artificial Condition and Rogue Protocol uh, because Yay. I want to read the novel and there's just a lot of novella to get there. And they are delightfully fast-paced, mm. very clean novellas, right? They're, it's been mm -hmm. really very interesting to read while working on my own space disaster station null gravity thing um, that has approximately five plots at once because i'm me meanwhile martha <laughs> wells is much better at novellas than macy is which should be a surprise to no one um and murderbot yeah. is delightful we all know this already nobody needs me to tell them that it's great but darling listeners i do have a good word to bring to you today which is the addition of Avatar The Last Airbender to Netflix seems to have created something mm. of a renaissance in Avatar fandom. And over the past nine months, lots of new long fics have suddenly appeared on AO3 and are being updated and written. And this new swathe of authors seems to have agreed on approximately two things. One of which is Zuko is an awkward turtle duck which is now a canonical tag with 1,500 works. Truly incredible. Um, <laughs> and two, that Sokka was struck with an instant crush the moment he first saw Zuko. Mm. Fandom has decided this. I'm very down for this interpretation of Avatar, which back in 2016 was rather straight. But I will strongly recommend the fic that I finished yesterday, which is Where the Stars Do Not Take Sides by Witch of Endor, which is a fire-sibling-centric reworking of canon involving Zuko joining the gang a bunch mm. earlier, without them knowing he's Zuko. Very nice. Excellent. Have any of them managed to live up to uh, Embers in terms of word length yet, Macy? Or are you holding out for that? I give them a chance. It's been like nine months, Freya. Embers is 700,000 words long. Even Alex couldn't write that in That's nine true. months. Uh, well, someone will get there. <laughs> uh, I have not been reading anything because um, I am aiming for 100,000 words this month. We'll see if I hit it. I feel like I probably will fall a little bit short. Um, election week really threw me off. Um, but I have read yeah. two interesting things of note, one of which is a romance novel uh, by an indie author I'm friends with. Uh, this is His Secret mm. Illuminations by Scarlett Gale. Uh, who wrote the OnlyFans uh, fic for The Untamed, which I think I linked you to uh, mm, and mm. gushed about at length on a previous episode. Um, his Secret Illuminations is best summed up as, you know that picture of Gwendolyn Christie and Oscar Isaac at that fancy party and she's like holding his chin in her hand and it's very <laughs> like sexy and femdom? That picture is this book, but make it fantasy. Um, it has huh. got a like tall, beefy, hot bisexual woman and her sad, soft boyfriend uh, <laughs> who was a, a monk at a monastery until she rescued him and whisked him away. Uh, and she is like just the nicest, kindest person. And I love their relationship dynamic. Like they instantly just like click as friends. 
and like have this genuine warmth between them uh, and it's really really sweet highly recommend uh, and then the other thing that I read was a short story called The Mysterious Study of Dr. Sex by Tamsin Mir, uh, which is a, a uh, spin-off story from Gideon the Ninth and Harrow the Ninth uh, about uh, two of the characters from Gideon the Ninth who, when they were a little bit younger, it's pre-canon, um, when they were a little bit younger, they went on an adventure and discovered some stuff and uh, there's some sex jokes. Uh, highly recommend it. Very fun. Uh, mostly, I've just been like writing my ass off, and in the past ten days, I have published forty thousand words of new fan fiction on Ao3. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> so I guess good. we don't need to ask how your NaNoWriMo is going, then, Alex. Well, okay. Here's the thing: like, I have this huge word count, right? And like, almost all of it has been fan fiction. Like, I've written like sixty <laughs> out of the eighty thousand something words that I've written like 60,000 of it is fan fiction um so like am I doing that great with original fiction no but on the other hand my agent left me unsupervised without any deadlines so I, I was gonna <laughs> say like you have like I feel like you're in a good space to take that time yeah. to do exploratory writing yeah. and have fun yeah right because because you got books on contract I've got books on contract like like I don't particularly have anything to do we're waiting on a couple things until I even know which thing I'm supposed to be writing next <laughs> so whatever I did was going to be just for fun anyway so yes this is a good place to like stop and have some fun <laughs> writing some fanfic how about you guys that makes sense Freya uh, so Freya is currently coming to you from the wilds of rural Victoria where I am at a writing retreat at the house of fellow fantasy author Devin Madsen, who has very kindly shut me into the study where I have a beautiful audio <laughs> setup of clothes and blankets and a large glass of rosé because I was told it was wine o'clock for the American Serpents, neither of whom I notice are currently drinking. So the only person drinking is me, who has not had lunch, and it is noon. I was not informed it was wine o'clock. That's how my nano's going. <laughs> how are the lesbians? How are the lesbians? So I have been working on the sequel to A Marvelous Light, which does indeed feature lesbians. And so I wasn't starting a new project from scratch. My goal was more or less to finish this draft, which is not really going to happen. My secondary goal was to get at least a thousand words a day, which I think was similar to Macy's. And mm -hmm. I'm a bit behind on that because November has just been an unexpectedly chaotic month, <laughs> not in terms of bad things, but because Australia is now sort of emerging from the COVID hell, everything has suddenly exploded mm. in terms of external commitments. And my day jobs have both been very busy. There's been a lot of extra things to do that I had not accounted for. And I did also spend last weekend in winery country with great plans to write. <laughs> and then I would just come home from wine tasting and collapse on the hotel bed and do nothing because wine. But it is going well. So because wine, exactly. But I do have, as mentioned, uh, what was it? 22,500 words, which means that my novel is closer to finished than it was. And I'm pretty happy with how it's going. Obviously, it's a first draft, so it's a lot of just sitting there and spilling words messily and I'm sure we'll talk about this later but I am mm. a writer who has a bit less tolerance for producing very messy first drafts than some people do I tend to make relatively clean first drafts and I feel a bit antsy if I can tell that what I'm producing is going to need a lot of revision mm. uh, so 
I don't naturally produce a lot of words. The only time I've ever won Nano is because I was writing fan fiction <laughs> and because it's a, <laughs> a lot easier for me to just have it flow out of my fingers because I feel less pressured. And given that this is my right. book two under contract, I don't feel that I've had yeah. really bad sophomore book syndrome. Like I have produced this book pretty fast, mm. but I can feel it kind of hovering on the horizon and is about to land in my brain and produce well, a whole lot of monkeys and weasels that will tell me how terrible the book is. So what I'm trying to do is race the monkeys and weasels to the end of the draft <laughs> so that at least it will be done. Yeah. I approve of this. I approve of this metaphor, Freya, and that is now how I'm going to be envisioning you over in Australia. Are they weasels for you guys, or is this like kangaroos chasing you? They have a variety of cool marsupials. Yeah, we do have a lot of cool marsupials, but none of them have quite the same, like, semi-carnivorous, slightly scary feeling of weasels. I like the term. I like the term brain weasels. Brain emus. Yeah. Okay. No, no, that, that, that works, I think, quite well, because, yeah, the real... The really scary things in Australia are birds. And I have seen emus yeah. eat sausages off barbecues that are lit. Incredible. <laughs> while, while people stand I mean, around them. So I think England lose a war against emus? Yeah, they did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's a sad day for this country. So Macy's Nano. Macy's NaNoWriMo, my goal with this Nano was to finish a novella. Now, darling listeners, um, I don't know how familiar you are with genre conventions, but a novella is between 20,000 and 40,000 words long. And I went into this month with 7,000 words of novella. So if you're paying attention at home, that means I needed 13,000 words. It is November 27th. I have written 28,000 words and I am not done. How long is the total word count of the book now? Like 35? The word count of the book right now is 35,409. And it's not. Done. So we need some space rocks to fall and everyone dies. Uh, so here's the problem, which is that Macy doesn't so much outline as um, throw darts mm-hmm. at a wall and see what sticks. Um, I had a plan, which was that there would be lots of side characters because it's sort of a novella about disaster recovery and community and leaning on people around you and mutual aid. Mm -hmm. So I needed lots of characters to illustrate various aspects of that. One of the characters decided that they were going to become a love interest. Which would have been fine, except I already had one of those. So now there were two of them. That's that's a love triangle. (laughs) (laughs) No, Alex. Alex, my dear. Now it's a polycule. Love it. Now it's a polycule. And now they all three of them need to be brought to the cute, like succeed through adversary the sun will come up tomorrow ending moment and i'm going to write a forty-five thousand word novella and i am going to throw myself into the but, sun okay. and then come back and cut 20 percent of it yeah it'll, it'll be, be fine. fine like Good. if you write a forty-five thousand word novella then you only have to cut like six thousand words of it the Nothing. problem just take out is... every use of the word very <laughs> alex <laughs> and alex. just <laughs> i'll just put in lots of hyphens yeah. that'll fix it <laughs> The thing is that the reason I wanted to write a novella was to write something I could finish quickly and then edit mm. easily. And this is not that. But it is anyway, relative to the things that you have done before. Fucking the 138,000 words of Catalyst and the first draft and then a complete rewrite. I agree, yeah. Freya. Yeah. It's less than that. However, <laughs> Alex, what's a structure? 
let's have an episode. Let's have an episode. I think that's a great idea. I think that having an episode is a wonderful, fresh, revolutionary new idea. We should have episodes oh all the time. Perhaps we could start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> I think, hang on, Freya needs more wine. <clears throat> Nobody told me it was wine o'clock. I'm just saying. I'm just really sad that we have barely started the episode. and I'm still staring at an empty glass of wine. It's a, it's a mood, though. So people used to say the word structure to me all the time and I would sort of like narrow my eyes and kind of nod sagely and go yeah right structure totally absolutely while having absolutely no fucking idea what they meant by structure because it's like it's like what is structure it's like the shape of the book it's like how the book rhymes with itself it's like how you do a mirroring thing between the beginning and the end and how the middle bit is kind of like a little bit wonky that's what structure is i cannot explain it because i don't fully understand myself what structure is it's the way it's the, the thing that happens when you look at what you've written and you say okay here's the thing that needs to happen next based on all of the stuff that's come before like because i had this other mm. thing happen it means that i have to echo it here uh chekhov's gun for example is a great example of structure working the way it's supposed to work because you put chekhov's gun mm. on the mantelpiece and in the third act the gun is supposed to be fired that's structure that's what structure be that's what structure is to you to me and you anyway. all have yes. maybe someone else can explain structure? better i feel like freya likely has a very different answer <laughs> darling freya yes oh organized ravenclawist one more com- most what competent freya freya who is the most competent most competent <laughs> structure was a very reassuring concept to me when i first came across it because i oh. do like rules and I like to know that if I have a few rules in place, I can then bullshit extravagantly around them and mm-hmm. everything will more or less shake out okay. So when I am thinking about structure, I think about plot structure first, romance mm-hmm. beat structure second, and then mm-hmm. I have a whole third category that is other structural considerations. So for me, yeah, yeah, shut up, Macy. <laughs> So for me, I think now that I am working in a fantasy sphere and not predominantly in a romance sphere in terms of how I'm marketing my books and how my books are being sold, Mm -hmm. I do try and think about plot structure first. And I do agree with Alex that it is more or less the shape of the book. But I think about it in terms of very specific points that I need to hit. And there's only a few of them. And when I am planning a book at the very early stages, which we will talk about in the next section of this structured episode... Uh, there's only a few consider- I did you did you did well done there's only a few points that I need to consider when it comes to plot structure romance beat structure is a whole other thing but because my romance mm. arcs are very important to me I have to have those built into the base level of the structure when I'm building a book from the ground up and when I mean other structural considerations what I mean are things like is this entirely in chronological order or are there bits that move around in terms of like flashbacks or mm. starting media res and then going back or um, how many points of view am I using and how am I going to alternate those points of view throughout the book or am I going to be inserting slightly random things like Alex's books have stories in them that are part of the story but they don't mm. actually you know contribute to the chronological flow of the plot so for me that's the third thing to consider and often that's the part that will get the most massaging and mushing as we go through because the first two are the things that I think about more as the bones of the book Mm. I really like that the bones of the book I think that that's really helpful so 
Macy, how do you think about <laughs> Short answer, I don't. Um, That's so smart and healthy of you. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Tell that to the how many months? 15 months from giving my first version of Catalyst to my agent to going on mm. sub. Uh, or giving my final version. Anyway, um, don't be me, darling listeners. Uh, what I do is not sensible, but I cannot do it any other way. So, Macy, what is structure? Structure is instinct. And structure is a symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot talk about structure without making weird sign arc motions with my yeah. hands, as the other two will, yes. <laughs> will attest. <laughs> but... Um, To me, the bones of a book of its theme and its aesthetic heart, Mm. um, which me and Freya talking plot with one another is hilarious because we help each other a ton, but we just don't get how it works. No, because for me, theme is something that you discover at the end of the book. You look back on it and you're like, oh, this book is about X, Y, and Z. That's nice. Now I can revise it with that in mind. And you discover your aesthetic Mm. as you're going through and or if you visit a museum at a pivotal point in the crafting (laughs) and decide that you are now in love with the Glaswegian School of Art Nouveau. Not that I am subtweeting myself there at all. Yep, yep. Little bit. Um, Meanwhile... I decided to write this novella because I plotted an entire different novella that was going to be great. It had ghosts and possession and musicians doing magic um, and all sorts of like multi-dimensional portals that worked like the garbage world in Thor Ragnarok. It's going to be great. It's still but I wrote down a plot and so I couldn't... I, I, I'm never going to write it. No, it's gone. It's dead. I wrote a plot. I can't write mm-hmm. it. Um which is how my brain works. And maybe someday I will tear it apart and cannibalize it and write a different book made of it. But to me, structure is the very basic pivot points of a three-act structure. I can tell you that there has to be a, like, a movement from introduction into I'm deciding to act at the end of act one. I can tell you at the middle of the book there has to be a realization that shifts yeah. the direction and you move from reacting to acting. I can yeah. tell you how you have to go into a climax at the 75%, but like those are the size of things. Other than that, I don't really do structure consciously and I don't plan in advance. I just kind of have a few fixed points, like Doctor Who might say, Mm -hmm. the fixed points in time, and then I improvise wildly and absolute nonsense comes out, but it's poetry, so that's fine, right? But I think we we do have that in common. So when I was talking about Mm. the bones of the book in between you you bullshit extravagantly, that's more or less the same idea. Like, I think we, we agree on things like the 50% turning point, yes. the 75% crisis, like, because we have internalized that as a, a useful way to think about key points. Yeah. I think that the main difference for me is that you are able to think about the improvising and what scenes go where in advance. Mm. But if I try to do that more than 10,000 words beforehand, it just breaks things. Whereas if I have not got a scene-by-scene outline (gasps) at the beginning of the book, I cannot start writing. I have to know... I will have to tell, horrify Freya and any other planners in the audience to state that approximately 10 days into November, I removed surgically my main antagonist and the back third of the entire of my book from what I'd intended. I just chopped it Mm -hmm. off and did something different. I mean... I do do some changing as we go, but I ha- 
And I know that that will happen. And I think the more that I write and the more books that I write, I'll become more comfortable with changing on the fly. But before I start writing, I need to have written down approximately, here are the turning points. So here's my 50% turning point, And I need to know what that is. And I need to know what the ending is. And once I've got those two points, mm. I know I'm going from A to B via C. Yes. And as long as that shape that is there, sense. that's fine. And then I try and think about my 25% and 75% points. But usually by the time I start putting those ones in, I'm also thinking in terms of romance beats, which also have 25, mm. 50 and 75% mm. stuff that needs to happen. Mm. Well, before we keep going, I did want to mention also, this is an episode about structure, but we are very much talking from within our own experience. And so we're talking mostly about uh, the types of three-act structure that work and sell well in Western markets. Mm. This is kind of the stories that we used to and were raised with. And there are very many other ways to do structure, a lot of which are very cool. But um, please forgive us if we talk a little bit more about where we work. Yeah. And... Mm. I think, Freya, that what you were mentioning sounds like it brings us really nicely into the first of our third planned structures Yay. of this episode, which is the stuff we do before starting. Mm. And I was going to ask both of you two, because both of you two do more than I do of this, what mm. is an outline? So I think that I'm kind of in between the two of you in terms of the amount of planning that I do because Macy does like no planning. Macy is like purely a pantser and Freya is like, I need a scene by scene outline and I know what the 50%, the 25%, the 75% stuff is. Um, I'm not quite that structured. Like I will sit down these days and also I will point out that my uh, my process has changed over time mm -hmm. um, because I used to also be just a purely pants writer. Um, mm -hmm. and now I'm getting a little bit more into like the planning stages because I find that it helps to at least have like a sketch. Um, so like before I write the book, I will like do just kind of between a two and five page kind of telling myself the story. It's very loose. It's very just kind of descriptive as if I am describing the plot of a book to a friend. Uh, mm -hmm. and then I kind of feel out as I'm going, whether those beats actually work in practice. Um, so it's a little mm. bit more like improvisational jazz, kind of, um, <laughs> inter if we're using Macy's music terms, rather than like a structured kind of, like mm. I'm writing a sonnet and a sonnet needs this kind of uh, rhyme scheme and this kind of meter, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, I like your, I do really like your approach, Alex. And with the book that I'm writing at the moment, I gave that a try because I had to present a summary of the book to my editor before I started writing in order to yep. say, this is what the book's going to be about. Can you give me a sign off on the basic premise? And I can't do what I usually <laughs> do, which is create Scrivener f files <laughs> that have dot points that just say, here's when this is, here's a one sentence about this scene. I actually had to do a document describing mm. what was going to happen in the book. And so I gave it a go. I did the whole write it as if you're explaining it to a friend. It was quite casual and chatty. And I really enjoyed the process of doing that. And then what I did was I took that once it had been ticked off and I transformed it and overlaid it to my idea of an outline, which is very mm. much based in what you think of as three-act structure, Macy, but I think of as four-act structure because for me what happens in acts – two and three is quite different. And I think of... Yes, I always think of it as a quartile and that the second act is split in half. Yeah, so for me, mm. like, there's not really much point in describing the middle two quartiles as their own act. I just think of it as 
one, two, three, four. And so I need to know where are we at the beginning? Where are we going to end? What is the turning point that shifts the stakes or disrupts the assumptions of the characters at the 50% mark? What, what's going to change the game? I don't pay a lot of attention to the 25% mark because I believe in starting your inciting incident very, very early in the book uh, and having mm. people commit quite early as well. When I'm thinking about romance, that does shift a little because the 25% point in romance is uh whatever it is that's going to have forced forced proximity or something some form of commitment to spending more time together before they form in love fall in love but i do believe in the 75 percent crisis mark and that works the same as for if it is the dark point of a romance or if it is the dark point and crisis of a traditional plot Mm. And the reason I have to have a scene-by-scene outline is that I need to know that I have approximately the same amount of content in each of those quartiles or my pacing will go skewed. Because I don't really have a natural sense of pacing. I need to pre-pace myself. So I kind of had the same problem with keeping things like the same size, keeping the quartiles the same size. I just resolve it by putting in more stuff to happen based on kind of gauging how many word count I have in each Scrivener file because I have a separate Scrivener folder for each of my quartiles. Uh, And so I just adjust the pace of my jazz flourish, Mm. I guess, (laughs) um, based on that. I plan and then I find that a scene, like two scenes may be very, very different in terms of length when I get to them or one scene might need to be two scenes. And so I still do need to do... I will need to do some extensive revision of pacing, but I don't like revising. The whole point of having a very detailed outline, which tells me how my pacing should be working, is that when I come back to revising it, fingers crossed, I will not have to do any large structural edits. I might need to delete some scenes, I might need to combine some scenes, I might need to shorten some dramatically, but I will not have to move the bones around, which I hate doing. Whereas... Alex and I are over here in the all edits gremlin corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Alex, the first version of choir was it that we yep. read didn't have the confrontation scene? Oh yeah, like I sent you a draft of a manuscript <laughs> that just fully had like open brackets, uh, climax scene goes here, close brackets. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't do your best. <laughs> well, well it did, this though, it is worked. one of the fascinating things I think of like, because the three of us, we have a podcast together, right? This idiocy that all of you darling listeners at home bear witness to. We're sorry. Yeah. Um, we are sorry. But you don't... <laughs> are we? No. Are no, we? we're not. No. <laughs> but you don't bear witness to, like, the late night yelling sessions where Macy has broken her book again and needs someone to talk her off a ledge. Yeah. Or the thing where Freya and I gang up on Alex and make them delete chapters and then put it in the final book that there were pages missing because we made Alex delete them. That was actually, do I that? do remember that. That was very clever It was really though. fun. It was great. And like, you were, you were right. I mean, and like when you, it's not so much that you're making me do those things. It's that you no. are like telling me true things and I see it from a different perspective and I say you know what I I do see where you're coming from Hmm. these 50 pages of crying just pure crying are a little bit slow (laughs) and it ended up being a cooler thing for the book to have them be quote-unquote missing pages that were explicitly quote-unquote taken out of the in-character book yeah what, what I think it's fascinating is that all three of us have our grimy little gremlin fingers up in each other's process at this point. Mm. And we are TMI, Macy, writers. TMI. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had any 
dirty jokes this episode it yet, very Alex. Good. Give me a second yeah, yeah, here, okay? And yeah. meanwhile, to our Australian. Yes. I think, and one of the dangers you can stumble into when you are very good friends with people and are helping them to write their books or make their books better is that you can tend to get so into it that you may run the risk of making their books more like your own like this is what I would do if you Mm. if it was me but at the same time I think we have reached a really good balance between Mm. I can turn to Alex and say if I was writing your book I would have cut out the first two chapters and started it here what do you think of that and Alex can say actually I think that would work but yeah, and I think that be... all three of us also have strong enough personalities that we can say that to each other. And also we're like experienced enough with writing these days that we trust ourselves as well. So you can hear someone else's perspective and still go, that's really interesting. That gives me an idea for how I would do that in a slightly different way. Or sometimes mm. Freya is just right. And I do just need to cut off Normally. the first the first like three chapters. Um, yeah, but but if yeah. Alex had turned that around to me and been like, "No, that's rubbish," stat, I would have been like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. Um, meanwhile, so you two talked a little bit about plotting and yes. outlining. What do you start um, with, Macy? Macy has invented a thing because Macy. So a lot of standard writing tools don't work for me um, because I come from a very character-focused viewpoint, and a lot of writing teaching is focused on. The person who is writing a book so that they can get to a dragon fighting a spaceship needs to understand how characters work. Mm. Um, And I'm like, why would you have a dragon? Like, how do you decide that you want a dragon to fight a spaceship in the first place? So I end up making up a lot of my own tools, Mm -hmm. right? Because I don't know what plot is. I don't care. All of my characters, if I followed the, the advice of, like, writing other, like, writing classes, I would just have everybody going to tea. And having conversations all the time. What does your character want? A nice cup of tea. That's a Becky Chambers book and it's fantastic. You could just write that. <laughs> I could, but I want to do something else. So I have this design doc template, um, which I stole from my day job, where I sit down and I write, what are the inspirations and the themes of my book? What is the world building of my book? And then just spitball, like, what's random cool things that can happen? We are on a broken space station. Well, I could have a null gravity rescue. Oh, or... you've taken up Freya's set pieces thing. Yes, yeah, I'm I so love proud. Freya's set pieces thing. It's great. <laughs> I have to, like, trick myself into it a little bit because I don't like planning things in advance. Mm. But if I don't attach them to my story, if I just have a list of things that could happen... Yeah but don't plan where they go, yeah. then my brain will let me do Just it. Just like cool images and, and, and like scenes like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, I why am I writing this book? Because I want to do a lot of bullshit poetry about how cool galaxies yeah. are, is the answer. Yeah, yeah. And I want to quote a lot of songs, like Hallelujah, and some weird socialist stuff. So I just kind of throw lots of songs in a blender uh-huh. and hit bzzz. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's cool. Uh, question then, does does any of us actually, st- we all talk about ourselves, I think, as fairly character-centric writers. Like, we all care a mm-hmm. lot about character arcs and character voice. Do any of us start with character? Because I don't think we I do. do. Oh, I Alex, do. maybe. Because yeah, you, you do more than, the re- more than we do, I think. Yeah, you do. Right, I do. Right. Because, like, I was saying that, like, I start by writing out, like, the, the plot and so forth like in the document as if I'm describing it to a person but that's like where I start 
writing where I start preparing sure. for the book is like coming up with characters, thinking about who they are. Macy and I, do you remember a couple of years ago when we were first talking about the pirate OT3 book? Yes. Yeah. And you were like sitting in and my guest room. And we made our little room. diagram with like, what are the missing Ravenclaw, Slytherin, yes. Hufflepuff? Like, how do they? Yes. Yeah. Like, how do, how, who are, who are these three people and how do they play into each other? And so I've just had these three characters like sitting in the back of my head for what, like two-ish years now? <laughs> two, three years? And um, now I'm finally like getting around to writing a book with them and it's awesome. So like mm -hmm. I, I do have to like know who my characters are because Macy, you when you were answering the question, you said like, what is plot? I don't know what plot is. And my answer to that, as I have told you before, and I will continue to tell you until the end of time, plot is just characters doing stuff. I have a I have a written thing in a notebook that my poor beleaguered agent said to me very patiently in a restaurant in January, yeah. which is, Plot is not characters doing things. Plot is characters doing things that have consequences. That's okay. correct. Your agent is very smart. She is. <laughs> but we have also all had we have all had conversations with your agent in restaurants. <laughs> yeah, we um, have actually. But like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for me as a writer who has such a strong focus on the romance beat and the romance arc you would think i would start mm -hmm. with characters but literally none of my books have had genesis in character so i listened to mm. other interviews <laughs> with writers who were like oh this book started because this character appeared in my head and i knew what ha! their voice was and i wanted to find out what they said that does not happen yeah. to me i have an idea and i think okay what kind of characters should i put in this story which which characters should tell this story a marvelous light started very much with concept and then I had to painstakingly come up with some characters who would suit the concept. And I don't really know who they are until probably about the 50% to two thirds mark of writing a draft. Because mm. I usually do quite a lot of flicking back and forward, but voice takes me a long time to properly cohere. Mm. And then I go back and revise with what I have learned about the characters. But I'm always writing an idea, then a structure. I do a lot of design of the characters before I go in, but you can make as many lists of facts about characters as you want. It will not necessarily tell you how to write them. Right. Whereas I think that my genesis, my seed, is almost always an image or a scene. Mm. Um, mm. And so you guys have heard me talk a little bit about the Demon Knights yes. book. Um, and the world building of that came from something totally separate, but the book itself started when I had this image of this female knight who was trapped beneath a frozen lake with all of her armor decaying off of her, being woken up when an obnoxious child started throwing rocks down into the lake to wake her up. Mm. And Ooh. why had she put herself there? Because I had the sense that she'd done this to herself. And how was she still alive? So you're just answering, you're answering questions about her. You're asking, or rather uh -huh. asking questions and then like searching to discover the answers. And figuring out what the deep questions for her are yeah. helps me figure out what the plot hinges around, what the theme is. And for Shrike, that character, it's very much around what is the worth of being alive? Mm. Hmm. What does it mean to live? What is the value of life? Yeah. 
so on the dot points here, there's a very intriguing um, <laughs> Freya's Fun Facts Regimented Writing Chaos Corner. I would love to hear more about Macy that. Macy put this here because Macy likes to bully Freya. <laughs> well, we all love to bully Freya. It's because she's so dignified. Well, how about Macy, would you like to uh, pose the accusation in that case? <laughs> I will pose the accusation. I will be playing in this moment Emily Tesh. Um, oh God! For the next thirty seconds. <laughs> well, I was writing Freya in a cafe in London, and I looked over her shoulder, and what I saw was that she was writing paragraphs out of order and moving them around. Yes. Okay. So one of the most common things that I discover on reading back through a scene that I have just written is that I have many, many incomplete sentences that I just stopped halfway through. And this is because I have trained myself to write scenes in order. To write scene one, scene two, scene three, scene four, which I can only get away with because if I think of something that needs to happen later in the book, I then go and make notes in the notes section of that scene's Scrivener file, which is why I have to have a scene-by-scene scene outline because I have to know where to put the notes when I think of a thing. Because back in my days of writing fan fiction. Even very long fan fiction, I just had one Google document and I would think of something, stop writing, go forward in the document, put in the dot points of the, of the dialogue or whatever, or the, the thing that I'd just written that I really wanted to do an echo of or a mirror uh-huh. of, go down, put it in there, go back, keep writing. <laughs> and now I know I can't do that with books because I can't hold that much stuff in my head at once. Right. I can only do that yes. if I can hold the shape of the entire thing. And I'm pretty sure yes. my upper limit to hold the shape is about 30,000 words. So now I use Scrivener mm-hmm. to do that for me. But I still think in terms of <laughs> chaos when I am writing a scene. So I'll be writing, <laughs> writing from the beginning. I'll get halfway through a sentence and think of something that needs to be said in response to this in two paragraphs time. So I will stop, go down, write a bit more, write the thing that happens in two <laughs> paragraphs time. If I'm lucky, I'll remember to go back and finish the sentence that I was in the <laughs> middle of. But not always. Like I, this, is, this is just the way that my brain works and this is the compromise that I have come to with myself and it is very traumatic for people like Emily Tesh, friend of the podcast, who was subjected to this in a cafe in London. That's very interesting. I don't do it to that extent. I have done a little bit of it, usually only when I think of like a really good punchline for a joke that I'm leading mm. up to or mm. like a, a, a turning point for something or like oh remember to make them argue about this point in like two paragraphs so i'll like make a little Mm -hmm. note further down the scene but also like i jump around and i write the scenes out of order so i'll go Mm. i'll like write twenty thousand words of the beginning and then i'll be like this is boring i want to write like a couple scenes from the middle i'll write the the ending scene um and then i'll jump back and forth this does explain how you ended up sending us a draft without the climax yes Yes. I just skipped the climax because totally I was like, oh, something happens here. I haven't decided exactly what it was. <laughs> and the climax in the actual book is amazing. So yeah. See, the thing is, I think naturally I would write, I would write like that, but I have taught myself that I am not allowed to skip forward to the cake scenes. I have to write the vegetable scenes or I will never get to them. <laughs> well, here's the thing for me is, which is that I discover like when I go back to write the vegetable scene, I'm like, oh, you know what? This actually doesn't need to be here. I can just like write two sentences as kind of a transition mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. elide the boring scene. Whereas meanwhile, I I think that I posted a snippet in chat in which a character gets startled and yeets her dinner into midair on the space station. And that was the starter of, a, that was just a pratfall that came into my head that starts a new different scene. And I wrote that out of order and jammed it into a notes mm-hmm. file. 
But for me, that doesn't work very often. Um, it definitely doesn't work in the middle of a scene or a paragraph because I'm very linguistically yeah. driven. Mm. Words and word choice and sentence rhythm matter a lot to me. And so mm. a lot of times I find it really hard to join things up because the rhythms don't match. Yeah. And also because of the ways that I improvise, um, if I skip ahead in scenes, most of the time it won't match by the time I get there. Um, I've done that. I did that once before when I was writing an older version of Catalyst and I broke the whole book. I wasted like 70,000 words of writing. Um, so I'm like, I'm not going to do that again. Mm. I just have to write through. Mm. And if I mm. can't push through, that usually means some point in the past two to 10,000 words, I've made a bad decision. I have to backtrack and unpick all of my knitting. Yeah. Is this just a quick question? This is the, what is called in the document, Macy's fun facts reattaching the wing while the plane's in flight corner. Yes. Is that what we're so, talking about? This is kind of, <laughs> yeah. Well, so when I'm, when I'm rolling along through an act, I know the 25 point, the 50% point, the 75% point. I have no idea what's happening in the 25,000 to 30,000 words that I've allocated to myself in that mm. quartile. Um, so I'm planning two chapters ahead of where I'm writing at all times, kind of like a rolling buffer, mm. if any computer science nerds will allow me. Um, and yeah, it's the doing mechanics while your car is in the race. It's fine. Yes, and then what happens is Freya comes and has to tell me to delete 20% of my book. Yeah, my instinct for other people's books is much better than my instinct for my books while I am writing them. Well, this is how, Freya, this is how we first started talking, wasn't it? Because we were on Tumblr and you were working on a thing, a short story, and I was like, I can pick some random place. I can tell you where to cut pieces out of this story. Yes, that is how we met. I was like, oh, someone who can cut things. Wonderful. (laughs) I can cut other people's stuff. I can even cut my own. I'm just going to grumble sure. about it because I feel like I deserve to grumble about it. You do. Mm. <laughs> yep. Okay, so we are running a little bit low on time. So let's talk about post-production. And like, so we finish a manuscript and like, what do we do then? Like, how do we fix the structure? And like, how do you dig in and take this weird wonky cabinet that you made and make it a decent cabinet? Macy is doing something... <laughs> a piece of very bad radio right now, which is that she has moved (laughs) her webcam to show us the murder board that she has across the room. Good job, Macy. That was terrible radio. (laughs) I have to give you these little gifts, Alex. Otherwise, it's it's like an enrichment. (laughs) Enrichment. 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 It's like giving the elephants a pumpkin. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Macy, because again, Chaos Gremlin, has to figure out what the fuck she wrote. Yes. You take inventory. Um, so I, you finish a book, you take inventory. I, I take what inventory. Yeah. yeah. What, what do we got? What do we got? A very bad New Jersey accent. I'm sorry. I was stop. that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you sort of like you sort yeah. of like write the book and like you're coming up with a stack of raw material and it's not even a cabinet yet. It's just like a stack of planks. And then you sort of take inventory of it and that's when you do your murder board. You like write down all the scenes that you have and then you can move them around and like tie things together. And that saved my ass when I was writing uh, A Choir of Lies, honestly, because that one took some like big, big structural edits. I mean, it's like not uncommon for me to pick up every single scene in a multi-chapter stretch and reverse the order of all of them and rewrite them. 
Because oh if they're set pieces, then <laughs> yeah, you've seen me do this, Freya. I did this. I've done this to Catalyst. I did this to Hagstone. I do it all the time. Freya looks a little bit um, crazy right now. <laughs> Freya, do, you probably didn't notice because it was a while between you and you read them. But the first version of Catalyst and the second version of Catalyst, every scene that is set in the forge in the first act of that book was picked up and reversed in order. Amazing. I did. That not is making that. me feel a little bit sick as well. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> little bit seasick. Oh. Um, Oh right, because so. I just have lots of raw materials, yeah. but and and the problem is, of course, this is very expensive, because I basically have to rewrite them almost entirely. I have the ideas and the actions, but the prose is just broken; it doesn't mm-hmm, fit. Mm-hmm. That is the cost. Don't, don't yeah, that me. is the cost of being a pantser. Though I think it, yeah. calling it expensive mm. is a really very insightful word for it. And that's why I'm trying to do a novella because I have to imagine a novella is mildly cheap. Yeah. Hmm. Whereas I'm an expensive producer, in that my cabinet mm, mm-hmm. that makes is more sense. or less the shape of a cabinet, but I have used twice yeah. as much wood that I actually need. It has flourishes, it has extra drawers, it has like twiddly bits on the side. A lot of those stuff I just came up with off the fly, added an extra drawer in case I would need that drawer later. Yeah. And sometimes when I get to writing the fourth act, I'm like, oh, thank God I wrote this drawer in. I can put something cool in that drawer. But a lot of it is just extra twaddle that does not actually fit Mm. in the finished cabinet. And so my approach to revisions is as I am writing, I need to – I keep a lot of notes for Mm. edits. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I've changed my mind about this character's motivation. I will go – I make a note. I have a running document called Notes for Edits, which is the big picture stuff that I I know I have not done right. And then I also – once I have finished writing a scene, I delete the outline in the notes. And then anything that's in the notes is something that I've thought of that I then need to tweak in the next revision of that scene. So mm-hmm. my notes sections become start out as outline and they become edit notes for every revision mm. that I do of the book. And so I have a lot of notes at the end of finishing a first draft. I already know where to start in terms of editing, but it is not about moving around the bones. It's about saying, here is something character-wise that has not been done right. Here is something that needs to be changed in this scene. And most of it, to be honest, is deleting stuff that I threw in in the first half in case I wanted it (laughs) later. And some of it I am really appreciative of past Freya because she can come up with some really cool shit that I then use in the second half. But a lot of it is twaddle, and it just gets cut. Well, so basically, Freya, you are a writing hoarder. Yeah. I am a hoarder, yes. So editing is going back through the hoarding and getting rid yep. of shit. Yeah. I think that my cabinet, it's sort of cabinet-shaped, but it's like a wonky bad cabinet, and like there's no right angles, and like one of the legs is much shorter than the other, so it's wobbly. Um, and it doesn't have a door. And so I like stand in front of it and I'm like, here's this beautiful cabinet that I made. Maybe no one will notice that it doesn't have a door. (laughs) (laughs) And then you show it to us. I feel like I've watched you uh, go to beta a little bit earlier than I tend to. And it seems that that works really well for you that like having feedback and secondary eyes is something that's a big part of your process. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love having beta readers um, and feedback in the process because I think that I'm quite attuned to my audience Mm. and I am writing scenes with the intent of getting a particular uh, reaction. And so like I will have people read it to make sure that I am getting those emotional beats correct. Um, And if I'm not getting it, then I maybe need to tweak something or go back and revise. Um, 
but yeah, I basically have no shame. Like I have sent people just fully works in progress. Just mm. like this book has like 20,000 words on it. It's like maybe 20% done. Uh, do you want to read this? And <laughs> some very kind and, and patient people are like, yes, yeah, sure. Hand it to me. I'm thinking specifically of Alessandra, who is a mm. gift to this world. <laughs> that um, <laughs> but that's uh, funny. So, you yeah. just made me realize that my one of my problems is that I forget that I'm a writer when I'm writing my book. What do you think of yourself as? I'm going on an adventure. Interesting. So how does that work in your head? What translate not, that like, for me? I'm not choosing things. So oh, much. interesting. Interesting. It's almost like RPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really it's interesting that you use the word choice because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've leveled up lately and mm -hmm. I'm kind of becoming aware of how many more things there are that I can make choices about when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And thinking about like when I was writing 10, 15 years ago about how I didn't know that those were conscious choices that I could make. I was just sort of making them instinctively. Um, whereas now I can like sit down and, and make more deliberate choices, which on one hand means that it's sometimes goes a lot slower because there's more things that I have to be aware of. Well, I think the thing is I make all of those choices, but I make them in post. And oh, that's yeah. why post is expensive. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That makes sense. Whereas I, at the moment, I have one person that I show my books to chapter by chapter with the agreement that they will not give me any kind of criticism and will literally just <laughs> give me some emotional reactions, which have yep. the equivalent of keeping me motivated and like a little bit of cheerleading along the way. Because I come from fan fiction, I was very used to enormous amounts yes. of validating comments for a yes. small word. <laughs> And, you know, I'm well, I mean, slowly is... weaning myself off that, but I still require a bit of reaction. But I feel like by the time I finish a first draft, I already have huge amounts of edit notes for myself. And mm. up till this mm. point, up till this, this is the first book that I have written where I am contracted with an editor and I know who will be editing it. Up to this point, right. I have done my first revision entirely on my own. Because I already right. have stuff that I want to fix before I then show it to other people. Because I'm quite used to showing people a finished product. You know, I don't right. I don't usually get beaters for my fan fiction at all. I just write it, I edit it myself, I put it out there. And so I do my first revision on my own, and that's what I'm used to. But I think this is the first book where I'm going to have to carefully only let myself do a little bit of revising before I show it to Roshi because I don't want to edit it in the wrong direction. I don't want to start mm, like making my own sense. edits and then have her say, actually, I think we need to go in this direction. So I'll probably just be a polish up, make sure there are not as many incomplete sentences as there were, and then <laughs> yeet it off, as Macy would say, which is a new, yes. a new approach for me. That, that's something that I haven't done before. Does anyone have a cute way to wrap up this episode? I, I am oh. interested in this last dot point. I'm not quite sure that we've covered it in the anatomical detail it requires. And I quote, <laughs> listen, I feel like I addressed this topic. I just used slightly less colorful language. But if anybody wishes to read the... Um... The dot point says how to ram a spine up one's already written plot arc through any available orifice. <laughs> I think that is the difference between us because I start with a spine and Macy yeah. rams the spine up afterwards. <laughs> and I can tell you already which one is more comfortable. <laughs> Yes. And I have just like a wonky spine and I'm like, okay, get your posture. Like I, I more poke it into shape afterwards. Like, sit so straight, you, sit so you are a, you're a chiropractic editor. Oh, yeah. 
Anyway, darling listeners, we hope you had a lovely November and are having a brilliant December. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. I'm so glad that we planned ahead to take a break from reading things so that we'd have time to write. Ugh, just so glad. Uh, and even more, I'm always really happy to get to talk craft with Macy and Freya. Not to be all hashtag sincere on Maine, but having such smart friends to give me such smart feedback about my work really is pretty heckin' amazing. Also, I said earlier in the episode that I thought I'd probably fall a bit short of 100,000 words. Nah, I totally made it. Uh, it's only the second time that I've managed 100,000 words in one month, so don't get too impressed with me, but uh, that's kind of the magic of fanfic writing for you, honestly. Anyway, we have some even more exciting topics to talk about in upcoming episodes. On the next episode, two weeks hence, on December 30th, we'll be ringing in the new year with a discussion about holidays and festivals in fiction. If you want to prepare in advance, one of the tentpoles for that episode is the wonderful Pixar movie Coco. So if you have a friend who's into stuff like that, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions, comments, breathless adulations? Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com and at serpentcast on Twitter and Tumblr. Or join in the conversation in our fan Discord chat, linked on the About the Show page of our website. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, speaking of structure, your bone structure? Fantastic! <laughs>